This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Uh, happy New Year and uh, welcome along to the latest Shrimp Net, the podcast of the Shrimps Trust. Uh, we've got hopefully got all the bases covered today with the the youthful Joel joining us as usual from the Trust. Um, afternoon, Joel. Season freeze. Uh, the effervescent and gorgeously scented globe-trotting board member, uh, James Wakefield, uh, who looks like he's, uh, he's in uh, the... Uh, EMI building has featured in a couple of albums, uh, Beatles albums covers. But where, where are you, James? Just tell us. Might be a New York phrase. Clang. <laughs> That's the place drop. Well done, that man. Well done, that man. All the way live from New York City. Um, and who says we don't have our fingers on the pulse? Um, in his last appearance in November, our guest uh, today, I introduced him as the assistant manager incorrectly, and he put me right. But it turns out I'm clairvoyant because I was right. Because here he is, the man himself, our new assistant manager. Congratulations, David O'Carroll. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for having me. So, um, we've, what, what can we talk about apart from you know you got socks for Christmas, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Uh, no, I can't think of anything. So let's start with the bad news. Crew, uh, Joel <laughs> taught me that. Well, everybody taught me through crew. That wasn't what we wanted. It wasn't what we expected. And um, I, to say we went on disappointed uh, is probably an understatement. Yeah, it, it was just it was one of those where you know that I think you know it got at the end it got a bit bitty and everybody was a bit unhappy. You know, we're losing to bottom of the league. You know, in, a, in quite an important game in, in the context of the season, so it, it was quite depressed. Now I remember just throughout the game, I, I felt it kind of created quite a few little half chances and stuff, but overall, it, it probably wasn't quite enough and. It's probably, I, I mean, personally for me, it's probably the lowest I've felt after a game this season. But at the end of the day, you know, you, it's still only December. And, you know, what we I think we've been in worse scrapes before, you know, Barnet a few years ago, losing in the 17-18 season, the Coventry season when we lost to Barnet. I remember that was just unbelievably depressing. So while obviously Crew was a bit of a low point at the same time, we've I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute, we've bounced back from that and... You know, we're going into January now and there might be some tweaks and hopefully we can kick on from there. But yeah, at that, at that time, it, it was a bit of a low feeling. I'll, I'll come to James now. Um, James, were, were, you, uh, were you at Globetrotting or were you at home or were you at that game? I was at the crew game. I was at the crew game. Uh, you know what? I, I agree with everything that Joel said, as I normally do. But I'll probably draw the fire that he normally draws by mentioning an annoying little thing called XG because that game, we should have won it. Um, and it wasn't a pretty game and, and, you know, crew got two goals and I couldn't believe the time waste antics and everybody understandably got frustrated at the end, me included. But if you look at it in the cold light of day and look at the data, should have won it, should have won it 2-1. Didn't, that's just the way football is, can't change results, results are what they are and everybody thinks about outcomes rather than inputs. But, you know, again, it's one of them where it could easily have gone a different way and everybody would have felt different. Um, I think, you know, ultimately their results are, results are what matters in terms of what people see at the end of the game. 
I think um, to go back to uh, the Honourable uh, Jim Bentley, uh, who was our gaffer for many, many seasons, and one of his mantras, and I, I won't do the accent, but one of his mantras was fine lines. And, uh, and I think you, what you're saying about the crew game was exactly that. But uh, I've, come, I've come to Dermot now, because as usual, Dermot, we were in, a, in games we've lost by one goal. It seems to be a world in the pizzas, doesn't it? I know, and I think their manager mentioned that he hadn't scored since 2013, possibly, the boy, the, the midfielder. So, listen, it is what it is. As you said, it, I think it was two shots on target they had all game. They scored twice. Um, it was probably uh, a clear enough picture of, of what's gone wrong for us pretty much in the first half of the season. We've played good football. As James mentioned, XG and possession stats and different things like that. We got a lot of plaudits for these things, but ultimately... It's probably in our own defensive side of things. We've we've at times been a little bit short. So, um, but yeah, one of those things you couldn't we couldn't cry about it. I thought we did okay. I thought we maybe didn't deserve to lose the game. Whether we deserve to go and win it, um, but uh, but yeah, I understand any any backlash, any any criticism after that because it was such a big game. It was hyped up to be six pointers and all this kind of stuff. But um, luckily enough, we managed to. We managed to get three points in the six anyway, which was which was positive. But um, but yeah, I didn't deserve, didn't think we deserved to lose it. Whether we deserved to win it, I'm not sure. Maybe a draw was fair. I, I think uh, the one thing it highlighted for me was the fact that um, I mean, uh, uh, we missed Cole. End of story. You know, um, he, he proved what a big player he can be, and the fact that he's just a handful for even if you've got two centre backs marking him, uh, he is a handful. He. Uh, his movement, or sometimes lack of movement, as we'll come to uh, in the Donny game, uh, he, he just attracts he just attracts centre halves, and it gives room for other people. But I, I thought the second half, particularly against Crew, um, much maligned in recent times. Johnny Younger had a fantastic second half. He, he led the line brilliantly. He was a permanent threat in that second half, and I felt really, really sorry for the lad because. The barter card gave him some grief at the end, and he didn't deserve it. Other players maybe did, but he certainly didn't. For me, uh, what do you think, Joel? Yeah, I agree. I, I think in the first when he first came, just before his injury, uh, Joe in the show quite a lot of promise with his dribbling and quite direct dribbling skills. And he's a big lad; he's good in the air, can handle himself. You know, uh, and he, he showed himself to be a real threat. Had a little left with the injury, came back. I thought he played well when he came back. I think maybe dipped a little bit maybe at the start of December around those kind of Sunderland games a little get gets dropped from the sides, comes back. And I thought for the against Crew and then against Doncaster's I'm sure we'll talk about he was brilliant in both games. But this, you know, sometimes players go they go out the sides if they maybe haven't had the best game, they come back in their own to go again. That's just how football works. But yeah, I think people got a couple of maybe slightly under par performances from a few weeks back stuck in the Reds and one can <laughs> let that affect their, their impression of him after the crew game because in the crew game he was really good and at the end of the day if if uh, Luke, uh, Luke Murphy doesn't score that daft goal he did we're probably all sitting here talking about what a great job that Jonah did tracking down that lost cause of a ball that was going out, out of play winning it back and setting up for Phillips to cross for Lee so like you know you just you've got to try and look at what's in front of you and what was in front of you that game was Jonah was playing really really well and working really hard with the ball I thought as well yeah I think that was the, that was definite positive to come out of it um, was the fact that um, he, he recovered some sort of form um, and, and I go back to earlier in the season in fact it wasn't that long ago where uh, our captain was coming in Mr O'Connor was coming in for some real real criticism 
Uh, and he seems to have, you know, he seems to have really, really knuckled down. And he's been absolutely magnificent, even in the Sunderland and the Portsmouth games. He's hardly put a foot wrong and he showed what a good player he is. And that, that, that's obviously the mental side of it coming in there, David, in the fact that he was getting criticism, uh, particularly, you know, in the press and otherwise. Um, and Ockers has come back and, and, and thankfully Joan has done the same. That's got to be a positive in the dressing room, hasn't it? Yeah, listen, we, I don't really read too much things, but I did hear of, of Ant getting a lot of, there was a lot of focus on Ant getting a lot of criticism. Um, listen, we're conceding goals, he's centre half, he's our captain. In a lot of people's eyes, he's replaced Sam, which isn't true. We actually signed him to play alongside Sam. So um, I think it's been a challenge for him because he's not had many, he's never had the same partner. Obviously, they've jumped in and out. Delaney's been in, Scott's been in, Gibbo's been in. They played in a three, played in a two. Yeah. So we, we, we've maybe struggled to find the right partner for him. But um, I actually don't. I think the, a lot of the criticism when he got it was, wasn't warranted. I think it's just one of them things. I think there's a, a swell comes sometimes with, as Joel mentioned, maybe a bad performance or, or something stands out in someone's head and then groups of fans and fan pages and it just swells a little bit. And then anything they do wrong then is, is highlighted while you might have some popular players with the fans, for example, like Phillips, for example, is a very popular player. I, I seem to think when, whenever he plays, whenever he does anything, while people look beyond maybe Phil giving the ball away because he comes up with a flash of brilliance. Do you know what I mean? Um, so no, and I think the same with Jonah. I think Jonah, Jonah's a big boy. He's, he's a good lad. He's actually a very good character where he's taking criticism. He's taking the criticism internally. He's taking criticism publicly. Um, but he has everything. He has every tool in the book. And even the other night, as good as uh, he was against Doncaster, as many plaudits as he got, um, still there's a few people, two or three rows behind the dugout that are calling for him to be whipped off after 20 minutes. So it is the game. Listen, when we get when we get um, we're getting beat when we're down the, around the bottom of the league, you're always going to get criticism. But the big thing is, is as you said, it's a it's a character test. And um, and those boys in particular have stood up and they've taken it and they've ran with it. So fair play to them. Hopefully, we can get in boys to help them now as well. So uh, moving on to uh, Sunday, January the second, and at uh, three forty-five, <laughs> and at three forty-five, um, I was my missus was stood with me, uh, and I said, "What well, do you know? What what what?" And uh, this is true. I said, "What what what a shame." And she said, why? And I went, because the Doncaster fans are going to see all seven goals. And every single person around me laughed and thought I was mental. And I thought I was mental. Discuss. <laughs> I, I saw that. Uh, well, actually, talking of that, a couple of the people I, I was going with, uh, I've come up with from Manchester, they both put bets on Morecambe to win and Morecambe to win 4-3. So they were <laughs> laughing in the end. But, uh, so, yeah, they won a few quid from that. But, yeah, just, I mean, at, at half time, I, you know, you know what you get like at football matches. You get, you're emotional and you're, you're sulking and three <laughs> all down. But I think, look at it. We, we played quite well for those, that last 10 minutes of the half, particularly. Yeah. I thought we knocked it about really nicely. I don't know if that was like the pressure coming off the players or maybe Doncaster's thinking, oh, we've got this in the bag a little bit. Who knows? But like, yeah, we, we played quite well for those last 10 minutes. And then, you know, we, we start the second half quite brightly, get the goal. And then there's a bit, and then there's a bit, I noticed the, the final three goals actually came in within about 50, 10, 15 minutes of each other. But there was a bit of a gap that we kept on pushing. It looked like Doncaster, maybe they kind of ridden that wave and then Cole gets the second. You kind of get that little bit of a sense of inevitability, which I think you sometimes get in football. Like it's part of the beauty of the sport, you know, sometimes 
you get a little bit of an inkling and, and like you kind of feel like there's not really anything you can do to stop it. And I'm sure Doncaster fans had exactly the same feeling, but from obviously a different perspective, they could, oh my God, they're going to do it, aren't they? <laughs> kind of like snowballing feeling of dread. But yeah, it, it was really a testament to the, the character of all the players after, you know, the, what was a really, I imagine, confidence-crushing defeat against Crew, then going 3-0 down at home to a team that haven't won the Wales season. They've got one point in the Wales season, lowest score in the is in division. We, then we conceded three in 30 minutes against them. You know, it'd be easy to just kind of think, oh, God, <laughs> that's it, isn't it? But, you know, they, they came back and, and they kept playing, knocking the ball about nicely, attacking, getting forward. And I think we got our reward for it. I think, in the end, we, we definitely deserve to win. James, um... We've done the, the interesting stat that's come out since then is that in the last 10 years, only, only five teams have come back from 3-0 down to win 4-3. And obviously we've done it twice. And uh, I happened to get, I think I, was at, I ended up on Talk Sport uh, when I was still teaching. I got a phone call from Talk Sport saying, oh, Quinny's given us your number. Can you come up to Talk Sport and talk about the Chesterfield comeback? And I remember walking up and down, <laughs> up and down outside school with loads of kids leaning out of windows and going, "Sir, what are you doing? What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm on the radio. Shut up, you know." And that was like 2012, was it 2013, something like that. Uh, it, it was it was fantastic from the point of view, and I take Joel's point in the fact that we seem to have, and Dermot, whether whether we're right or wrong, we seem to have changed the way we played. We played a lot more through midfield against Donny, whether it was a deliberate ploy or not. And it worked because we stretched him. And as soon as, it, when we got the first, it was like, oh, we, we stand half a chance here. And then I'll go back to it. Cole finds space so well in the box because he makes a run. And the twice that he made a run and stopped, we fed him and he scored. And that's how you sometimes make space. And all of a sudden, game on, wasn't it? Yeah, like the other thing that's nice, and Joel mentioned it, mentioned this, I think, on social media in the last couple of days. We scored three normal goals, uh, three goals um, that were in the area that were just chances created, and they were put away. Um, and you know, as, as, um, as Stephen said the other day, he's never seen two shoot. So that fourth one was, was fantastic. But it was the three normal goals that that I really I really enjoyed because that's what we need to be scoring. We need to be just creating chances that are in and around the side yard area and putting them away. I mean. The result, how can you not get sentimental about football when that sort of thing happens? But it was, it was fair. It was, it was, it was a fair result. Um, you know, it could have been three-two, could have been four-three. But I think if teams hadn't smashed it, in, we'd have just kept going. And I think we would have got a goal another way because we just looked so likely to score them. Um, I feel for Donny, um, but you know, it's that, it's that, that whole thing. Never, ever give up in a game like football with such, such, such ridiculously fine margins. If you never give up, you can always do that. You can come back from anything. And looking at that, the uh, the reaction on the bench uh, was something to behold, David. <laughs> yeah, nice and calm, I'd imagine, if there was pictures of that. But no, it uh, listen, it was massive. From our point of view, you you get very few very few of those in your career. Like uh, obviously, I'm young in my career. Hopefully, I'll coach for many more years. But you don't get many many of them. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're a fan, if you're a player. You don't you're not involved in many. So you have to use you have to enjoy it when you do. It's like Cole's goal in the last minute, you don't get many of them, do you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, again, a strange game. Like we went in, I know the gaffer spoke about it in his interviews and stuff since, but we didn't really go mad at half time. It's a strange one because uh, it's funny, I looked at it afterwards. I, I knew at the time, or we felt at the time, that we'd done okay. Um, I know Joe mentioned the last 10 minutes, the half, but 
stats aren't everything, but we'd 60% possession in the first half. So it's just, it's one of them. They'd four shots at goal and they scored three times. We had, I think we'd four or five shots at goal and didn't score any. So fine lines, both boxes. Um, and then in terms of deserving the game, if you look at the stats from the game at the end, I think it's 65% possession, 10 corners, 24 shots at goal. Like it's complete domination. Um, if someone had said to you it was 4 0 and it finished 4 3 or it went 2 1, 2 each, 3 2, they'd believe it because it was it was one of them where, yeah, we played through midfield, but we played probably more like what we'd done Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Preston, those kind of performances. We It was probably more us. Um, and that, I think that's the biggest frustration. Some of the games we've lost, we've been. We've maybe tried to tighten things defensively and we've tried to, to tweak a balance a little bit tactically and see what we could do. But at times, then that's taken away from the press that we have or the passing that we have. And not for any reason, not because we tell them not to, but sometimes when you make a little tweak, make a little change, the boys maybe it go, they take it black and white, they take it completely, oh, we must do this, so we must do that. But I think the other day, the, the positive for Doncaster was we had a really good blend. We played through midfield, we looked like ourselves. And I think if you take the scoreline out of it, at any stage in the game, you'd have thought, I don't mind watching this. This is a good style of football. This is enjoyable to watch. We're creating chances, even if we miss them. Um, and then again, as I said, we have to, we, we said this all along, we'd be a very good side if we defend better. Um, but we, we, we need to, we need to keep more clean sheets. We need to defend, defend better, make people work a little bit harder for their goals. But um, at the end of it, we do know this and uh, we've said it throughout all the season. We're not, it's not head in the sand stuff. We, we acknowledge there is stuff that we can improve and, and there's maybe positional things we can improve and stuff as well. But um, but yeah, that was a massive one. That was a it was a hopefully a confidence booster again for a nice easy game at the weekend though as well. There were two quick things I noticed as well, and they were a demonstration of the attitude. You know, when you come out and three 0 down at half time, um, nobody was backing out of fifty fifties in that the first five minutes of that second half. Everybody was up for it, and for the first three goals, there was no celebration at all. Cole was picking the ball straight back to the centre spot. And it was, it, it, honestly, I think the Donny, the Donny players would have, would have mentioned, would have seen that and would have thought, oh, hell, they think they can do this. And that, 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 that changes the momentum of a, of a game. So it was, it, was, it was wonderful to see that attitude. It was like, no, we're still in this game. And, and it, you felt it within five, ten minutes of the half. And I think that's been the case all season for us. I think if you speak to, we've mentioned it a few times, but you speak to Tombs, you speak to people who've been around, we're a good side. We just, we just, uh, we don't have the right balance at times. But everyone, Tombs would say, I'll go anywhere and win. Like so, we'll go to Sunderland and be absolutely distraught because we got beat, regardless if it's five or if it's one nil. But all of us go there expecting to win. We go to Pompey expecting to get a result, um, not because of our resources or because of the facilities or whatever. But we believe in the players we have in the dressing, we believe in the coaching that we we try and give the players the detail. Um, so we are ambitious sometimes we probably need to give ourselves a reality check and think you know what we're not going to go to Sunderland and win 5-0 but um, but that's the thing is that the belief is there and I think that comes out James you see that when the lads are going oh, we shouldn't be happy just to get a couple back and make it respectable and maybe show the fans that we care they wanted to win the game they didn't want anything less than that and and they didn't even overly go mad in the dressing room after they were like that was what we deserved that's, that's at least the level we deserve so we should be kicking on. We should have done that from the beginning, is what they're saying to themselves. Like, you know. Yeah, and no, I think that's a. I think it, it is a fair point that you make there, in the fact that um, it, it, it watching watching the goals back, which I'm sure everybody has a million times. But uh, Jonathan Abika gets a touch to put the third goal in and equalise, and Jonah Younger runs into the back of the net and grabs the ball as if no celebrating. Come on, we can get another here. 
and that that's that just sort of it's straight i didn't notice that till the replays and i'm like that's fantastic because they they obviously believed it and there was like at that point there was less than sort of like seven seven or eight minutes left and it's like blimey look at this it's fantastic so it is a fair point so we're, we're now unbeaten uh in 2022 <laughs> uh how long that will last uh, well I, I i might come on next week and say well we're still unbeaten in the league because you just don't know do you but then again we might still be unbeaten um but looking at that um the Transfer window opened. Here we are on the 6th of Jan. Uh, and things have been pretty busy, Dermot. Yeah, a couple of bodies in now so far, which has been great. Uh, when I say bodies, a couple of players with quality have come in, which is great. So um, it's been obviously months in the building up to it as well. We, we've known what we've needed for months. We've known the positional side of things that we look at. We obviously know the, the constraints and stuff that we have financially and, and what's available. Um, so getting Trevor is massive. Getting Trevor in is a, is a fantastic signing. Um, great that that's been announced. It's on loan. We obviously look to get him permanent. Um, but Dundee United know they have a, a fantastic goalkeeper there. So um, Trevor will come in. He'll compete with Kyle, obviously, to, to, to play and, and to go from there and, and try and make his mark. And, and if he can get in the team, then try and get us a few clean sheets and stuff as well. But um, he's a level-headed guy. I know, I know Trevor really well, obviously, from Motherwell. And also... Um, he's from Northern Ireland. I was living in Belfast for a year, so we have a lot of very mutual friends. He's only, I think, he's only 33, 32, 33. So he's he's uh, he's similar in age to myself, kind of thing. So um, a top top keeper. You can't under underestimate how how good he is. Um, you're going to say that about anyone you sign, but uh, he played for Northern Ireland only about I think eight nine months ago. He's got I don't know how many caps, but his ability he could play outfield. Basically, he's he's that good. So. Um, and the right type as well, the right kind of character that we look for as well. So, um, and then Jacob Badu, so he he's one that the gaffers looked at um, for years. He's liked him back when he played for Scunny. I think back when he was even at Berry, um, he he actually played with Greg Lee. He knows Philo, I think, from Berry. He knows a few of the lads from Berry already. So, um, he's another one comes in, adds competition, good quality, physically. Um, he isn't imposing in terms of six foot five, but he's he's a he's a big lad, probably not too dissimilar in frame to like the likes of Gibbo. Um, really mobile, good left foot, good defender, steps in and, and he's exactly what we're after. So um, we'll look to continue to build. It's not, we don't have a magic wand. The board don't have a magic wand. The, the staff don't have a magic wand, but um, it's small tweaks and, and people might think, oh, that's mad. You're, what is it? A couple of points in relegation zone, but it is small tweaks. Um, we spent six months building a completely new team, a completely new football side of the club because it's it's all changed so we want to actually build a little bit of continuity now of what we have and we've won six games so we feel we can win at least six in the second half if not more and, and that'll be more than enough for us then to achieve some of our targets which would be which would be great obviously people have to go out as well to balance the books it's not it's not um it's not a nice side of things but people have already seen josh is josh has been uh, left go he's been recalled and, and sent back to uh, to Rangers, he's gone back up to Tranmere, but um, people always think that there's going to be big fallouts and big controversy behind these things, but it's not in any way. Josh is a great lad, great kid, worked hard, um, really unfortunate that three times he, he twisted the same ankle the day before a game, uh, literally go, walking through tactical work on a Friday before a Saturday or a Monday before some of the Papa John's games, and he twisted his ankle at key times, so... He just never really got going, but uh, I'm pretty sure Tranmere will see the benefits of of a good player there as well. So, um, and obviously there'll be a few more that'll that'll go in, and 
I will come in and a few more will go out. So it'll be uh, it'll be a reasonably busy month, but that's the reason we brought in Foyley, so we can sit back here on the couch and talk about it. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. So uh, it, it seems that obviously you knew Trevor anyway, but Jacob's been highly thought of. So so was was Martin just rubber stamping those or? or um, yeah, uh, Foyle, listen, Foyle, he's, he's out, he's, he must watch, I would say, 10 or 12 games a week live, so he's, he's, at, he's at multiple games in days, um, he travels the, the length and breadth of the country looking at players, he likes, to, uh, he likes the old, side, old, old school side of things that he likes to get his eyes on them, but we're also working with um, Harry, who I know, obviously Harry you've had on as well, is fantastic, very young as an analyst, but he's, he's a fantastic, fantastic analyst at what he does, he's really, really good. Um, He'll never say too much. He'll never he'll never shout about it because he's quiet. But he's he's really good. So he's uh, come up with different formulas as well for us to analyze players and 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 try and come up with a filtering tool for for Martin so that when he goes to games he'll he'll be able to look exactly for the people who have the right stats, the right statistics, the right kind of um, trends that we like. Um, and then also obviously myself and the gaffer have gone out to a few a few games as well. So it's a constant process. It's one of these ones where. Funny, we'll finish the window on the, the end of January and we'll actually hopefully have in our head maybe three or four players we, we get in the, in the summer um, because that's generally how you should work. Um, we started looking at Trev, I think, in maybe September, October. We looked at Badu was on our list in the summer as well. We, we couldn't get that done. They didn't loan him out. Um, he was one we discussed in the summer. So these are ones that are they've been long in the pipeline. They've been something that we've been looking at. So... Um, they're the best ones. Anything that's last minute and panic, I never understand people who want to want to wait to to get a headline in Sky Sports. You're better off to, to do your due diligence and uh, and put the work in. So moving on to yourself now, um, and obviously uh, when we introduced you last time, my mistake. I introduced you as assistant manager. Uh, you've since taken over that role. Um, how important was was uh, John McMahon? when you and the gaffer came in? Because obviously he was the, if you like, he was the uh, the conduit that sort of like got you into the club and said, right, this player, that player, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've spoken to John and he said, oh, you know, I was just doing my job. But obviously he played a big part in, in helping you settle in and getting you, you know, familiarised, I suppose. Yeah, John was John was fantastic for us. He was, um, listen, very experienced, John, as well. Been at the club. This was the third manager he'd seen as, as part of the coaching staff. And... Um, Obviously, listen. He worked at Liverpool as I think reserve manager at a time as well. Like John is a, he's been around the block. He's a fantastic coach. He's a good guy as well, and and he was there as a sounding board for us. Um, in particular, as you say, when we came in first, we didn't know, we didn't have a depth of knowledge of the likes of Kelvin Miller and and even Aaron and people like that in the building already. So he was able to kind of give us a, a real clear picture in terms of of the personalities of everyone, the the strengths, the weaknesses, the what they brought to the squad and stuff as well. And then in terms of recruitment, he's, he's obviously very connected as well. So um, again, same as what I mentioned with Josh, there's no, it was funny. Someone said to me walking down the street, Oh, I saw the assistant manager left. Oh, bit of controversy there. And I was like, no, listen, it's not, it's not like that. John um, asked the gaffer for a meeting, sat down, they had a chat and, and, um, and John had decided that it was time to, to look elsewhere and, and look at something new. So, um, from there, it was a case of no problem. That's fine um, because he went with our blessing. He, he still does. I know the gaffer would would happily put his name behind John as well. He's fantastic for us and and a bit of a club legend as well because obviously he played for the club as well um, in years gone past and was here as head of academy coaching as well. So and no, I've I've no I haven't a bad word to say about him. So please God, he'll uh, he'll be back again watching us uh, still in League One at some stage. 
Well, it's a great opportunity for, for yourself because obviously um, it's what some <laughs> mistakenly thought you'd come as that anyway, me. <laughs> um, no, fantastic for me. Listen, a proud day for me and the family and stuff like that. Like uh, someone that was a, as they are, statos like Joel, someone actually messaged me the other day, said something like, I think it was the second youngest in the four divisions or something as an assistant manager, which is, which is means nothing, but it's obviously fantastic as well. And, and um, I mentioned in, in the little piece that we did to announce it that I've played for the club, first team coach and assistant manager. So it's, um, it's massive for me. I, I feel as comfortable now when I've come back to the club as I did when I played here in, in 2008. So um, please God, I can have a little bit more influence now on, on certain things that the gaffer just doesn't have the time to deal with. Um, so it's things like linking with the academy with Drummy and, and Wayne and the boys and, yeah. and different things in terms of other side of things in liaising with loan clubs and, and smaller stuff and supporting Foyley. So um, I came into a system. It didn't really matter to me what the title was anyway. So um, I don't see a huge pile changing in our day-to-day in terms of, of the running of training. But obviously uh, I feel a little bit more responsibility now to to kind of get involved in the longer in the longer vision of the club and, and really make our mark. Like. Well, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. Like I say, an opportunity for yourself, but also... Um, it's fantastic for us on this podcast because now we get fant- access to the, the assistant manager as well as you know everybody else, which is brilliant. But so it, to go back to it, you you obviously you've been a player, you've been a coach, now you're assistant manager. I think the only two jobs you haven't done are work behind the bar and sell the pies. Is that about right? I'm after I'm after Les's job. I told Les he's got a nice wee kettle and the heater and he's got a wee TV in the room, so I think his looks like a nice wee number, but. No, it's uh, it's fantastic. It's brilliant. So, I'll I'll do I'll do whatever is necessary. Basically, I'm happy to go above and beyond to do to do what helps the manager, helps us get results. And and I think people who know me personally and stuff like that know that I, there's no ego behind it. Uh, just because the the name changes next to the the title changes next to the name doesn't mean doesn't mean anything to me. I just want to make sure that we are successful and we kick on up the league. So, Joel, um, no doubt you'll have one or two probing questions for Derm in his new role. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I, I was going to start off asking, obviously, throughout December, results weren't really going our way, obviously. And I think you touched on it a little bit before, but how, how hard is it to kind of stick to the, the principles that you kind of set out to coach into the players when you're going through that bad run? How hard is it to just kind of stick to that and, instead of just kind of getting bogged down and just trying to react it can be difficult, but the principles of what so like when we we came in in preseason, the two systems that we worked on were four three three and three five two. They're the two systems that that uh, strangely, not to go too technical, but they've the, the very similar principles of press, very similar principles of how you build the game, how you pass through midfield, how you attack, the shape behind the ball, different things of like that. So the two systems actually provide very similar pictures. Um, but it's basically five yards of a difference. So if it's a back three, it can become a back four very quickly. If it's a if it's a midfield three, it can become um, you know a wide man and two midfielders quite quickly as well. So, um, but yeah, we we believe in what we believe. It's one of them ones. If if someone tells you um, what do the job as you see fit, no matter what the walk of life is, you know exactly what it is. You're determined to do it your way. You believe this is the best way to win. And people say, I oh, know, but what's your plan B? And you're like, well, ultimately, we believe that the plan A should work, but we also have to plan for other things. Um, we can't expect to go to Tottenham, for example, and have 65% possession again like we did against Donny. Um, but can we play the way we want to play? Can we press the game the way we want to press, possibly from five yards deeper? Um, there's th- things like that that we can implement. But 
um, we have to always trust the process. We have to always think to ourselves, you know what? We know we can deliver a certain level of quality in, in terms of training and the detail the lads get. And we know they're good players. We've signed them all for a reason. As I said, we've put, we've put hours into the reason behind everybody. Not everybody's going to work out. Not everybody's going to succeed. Um, but there's a rationale behind everything. So if we start making it into random systems and random changes and trying to go along, we don't have the bodies for that. Um, like even Cole. Cole's a, a big striker, but you wouldn't say he's necessarily your long ball up into his forehead type striker. He wants the ball into feet. He wants runners off him and he wants fed in the box with decent delivery. So we flip to being one, some of the teams, I won't name any, but Bolton under Sam Allardyce back in the day, if we flip to that style, we can't get away with that. We'll, we'll drop like a stone. So um, it's one of them where sometimes, yeah, you'll have a late night. You'll have, You'll be awake through the night, but then the next morning when you come around it again, you think, right, well, there's, there's still a few positives in it. There's still five or six players there that did well, and, and how can we tweak it? Yeah, well, you touched on uh, going, going up to Spurs, on, down, to, sorry, down to Spurs on, on Sunday. So with that, does it feel quite strange going from, no disrespect to our fellow <laughs> you know, teams in our league, but going from analysing League One teams to suddenly going and analysing Spurs and not just a kind of a, a big Premier League team, one managed by one of the best managers in the world. Yeah, it's it's, it's a tough one actually. Yeah, when you look at it, it is a completely different picture. We we were lucky in that way where the man, the manager more than me, but he had the experience of maybe playing. No disrespect to Hamilton Aki's away with fifteen hundred people, and then he would go to Celtic Park at sixty seven, sixty eight thousand people. So. Uh, and the the golf you'd be playing it's a thousand pound a week player and then you're playing it's a 40 grand a week player so there is in, in that way there are similarities in terms of being used to setting up a certain way and how to get a result um listen we go there it's it's a fantastic day for the club fantastic day for the boys fantastic day for us as a staff but it only is very enjoyable if you go and you make it make a difference it's a fantastic day to go to Sunderland as well for the club but when you get beat 5-0 it's not do you know what I mean so we don't want to go to Tottenham and take pictures and and get some selfies and leave with a five or six nil. Um, we want to try and make our mark, whether we do or not. It's it's true. It's true. The same process. We'll do exactly everything the same. We prepare the same. We have the same meetings. Um, so we we obviously show them respect and we know they have massive threats. But um, we'll go there and, and see what happens. And, and you never know. We were watching the game last night, joking, texting each other, all the staff, just saying, yeah, they can be got at here and they can be got at there. So. It looked very easy when you're Chelsea, but um, but yeah, no, it'd be a fantastic day, and we'll go for it. But obviously, our bread and butter is the league. Um, it might give us a chance to get people some some minutes as well who have just come in and different things. So get the get the the boys gelled in and get them going for the league then the week after. Yeah, because I suppose uh, playing Harry Kane one week and then suddenly going back to a uh, to League One that might <laughs> Harry, Harry doesn't Harry doesn't run much more than Cole to be fair he stands about as well like. that's a good point actually yeah but uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure Antonio Conte uh, was enjoying the Doncaster game having a little watch of that yeah uh, keep I'm him sure. excited I'm sure he was looking in detail at our possession stats as well I'm sure yeah exactly yeah 24 shots how are we going to deal with this uh, but um it's obviously after shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, hopefully Tottenham can give us a goal like they did to Chelsea last night. I think that would uh, that would go down pretty well with me. But uh, to go into that Doncaster game, obviously in the last, like like you said, at points we were playing quite well. And against Doncaster, what what I kind of had a little bit of a theory that maybe like at three 0 down, the pressure was almost off a little bit. 
but I'm not sure what you think. And, and but if, if if there was a little bit of an element of that, do you think it does kind of show to the players that actually, you know what, guys, you can play sometimes just kind of getting your head in the right kind of place to do so? I think I think naturally that, that you always see that. I think even at Sunderland, for example, we had a patch where I think we were two or three nil down where the boys started popping the ball around like Barcelona. Um, and that there is an element of freedom naturally and, and you can't, you can't understand it. You can't describe it. You can't even when you're on the pitch for some reason. You just do. It just happens. But um, I think the the big thing for the lads was a kind of determination among among all of us at half time. Because listen, you get a little bit of criticism from the crowd. You get a little bit of criticism from different people, uh, and rightly so when you're three 0 down against Doncaster at home. But I think it was a case of right. Let's let's show a reaction. Let's actually react. Let's have a bit of pride. Let's let's play like we can. Um, and I think that was the mentality rather than necessarily go and play and enjoy ourselves. And it was more so, listen, this is this could get embarrassing. We're better than this. And, and we set ourselves at a higher standard than this. Um, and, and I think there was a, a bit of a bit between the teeth kind of determination second half, just purely to show, right, well, this isn't us. We shouldn't be getting beat. So let's let's show people we're better than them. We're, we're better than these. And it might even, listen, it might have turned out we would have won the second half. One of those kind of phrases, win one nil or or 2-0 in the second half, and people say, oh, well, it wasn't bad, but the, the good thing is the lads showed exactly what they're all about, and, and I think they, at 4-3, it was trying to stop them going forward, which we've done earlier in the season, so it was trying to say, no, 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 relax now, relax, let's bring Cooney on and try and waste some time, do you know what I mean? No, yeah, <laughs> See, I, got, I, got, I got a little bit of that feeling as well, even after the fourth one, like <laughs> everybody was still like proper fired up, I was like, no, I'm a little bit scared. But I think, I think that's great. I think that, listen, we've all, I think Preston, Preston at home, for example, I had that feeling. I thought Preston at home was fantastic. I thought it was really, really good. And, and when we score, I thought, let's go again, let's go again. And, and as a staff, we have to reel it in to think, no, well, maybe we don't need to win 5-3. Do you know what I mean? But the good thing is, is that the, I think the fans will, will feel that as well. And they'll think that was an enjoyable second half, regardless of if the boys had won it or drew it or even got back to 3-2. They played really well and we can be proud of them. Do you know what I mean? And, Ultimately, I think that's all people want is they pay their money, they come, they buy a burger and a, and, a, and a cup of tea and they want to watch people put a bit of blood, sweat and tears and run around and try and entertain them. And regardless of the scoreline, I think we did that the other night. So um, that's that should be the minimum we ask from the lads and that's the minimum they ask for themselves, like, you know. Yeah, I'm talking of keeping your heads when the fourth one went in. Obviously, I enjoyed the, uh, the reaction on the bench, but what I also did quite enjoy was... Uh, uh, the gaffer quickly composing himself as the players were coming over and standing, looking very, very serious. <laughs> I don't know. He was trying to set a bit of an I example. I actually said there. to him after, I was like, "What were you thinking about?" He was like, "No, I was trying my best." I think he's afraid. I think he's he's uh, afraid of another fine. He doesn't want to run down the touchline anymore. <laughs> um, and if you watch the Fleetwood goal, he does like a little jig down the sideline. He never got punished for that. But I should have got more. Uh, should have got more focus on some of these TV shows. But yeah, he did. He looked cool, calm, and collected as if he'd always expected it. But I tell you, we were celebrating afterwards. It was, it was a massive one for us, like, you know. I, I, think, I personally think it was shock because it was Toombs that scored the winner. And he was I'm, probably thinking, I, I, said Toombs, I said to Toombs after, I said, Toombs, I don't even think I've seen you shoot, mate. And he was like, I've shot seven times in my career and I've scored seven times. And I was like, <laughs> I was like any chance you shoot more often, mate? But he's so, he so chilled out, you couldn't say anything to him. But yeah, usually he would cry that back and look to pass it. But it was a, it was a fantastic hit. I was, right, I was right behind that in the barter card. And as soon as he hit it, everybody knew because you could just see bullets. And the, it, it, to be fair, the keeper, it sort of like went past his left hand because it was past him before he even stuck his arm out. It was a brilliant hit, wasn't it? 
it was like a side foot volley as well. It's a technique that you, only tombs could pull it off. It's not one you'd practice. Like, do you know what I mean? You usually hit that with your laces or, but nah, he's just somehow passed it into the goal from the 20 yards at pace. So it's just, it's just how good he is technically. That, that, that's the way that teams would shoot, not with a kind of, kind of classic laces, leather it kind of thing. It would have to be something neat and technical because it was, it was bouncy. It was on that kind of half volley when there's a bit of momentum on the ball and it was kind of taking that momentum and just firing it past the keeper. It was nice to actually score from a corner rather than concede from a corner. So it was nice. <laughs> yeah, it was something. I quite, actually, what was quite nice about the goal cam, you, you saw the kind of little pre plan move. I won't say too much about it in case any anybody from the, well, in case any well in case Conte's listening to this podcast. Yeah. Is gonna... listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Hello Antonio. Hello Antonio. <laughs> but, uh, but going into that second half, uh was there anything you were trying to while the second half was going on and you could kind of see the momentum building, was there anything you were trying to re- relay to the players on the pitch at the time? Or, or was it just a, a kind of a case of look how well they're doing, look look at the momentum building, just kind of let that keep going uh, no I think it, our big one at halftime was 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 press basically was obviously pass the ball but was press was get after people and press because usually when we've pressed really well our quality comes out if Toombs runs around and press he'll land on the ball and play you don't have to teach Toombs how to pass the ball um, so usually if we and we knew like us um, they're fragile defensively they're really poor defensively similar to us in the first half of the season they've conceded all around them um, they were very fragile in terms of results. So it doesn't matter if we'd have been 3-0 up at halftime and someone scored after 56 minutes. It would have been interesting to see our reaction as well. And, and, and it's like anyone at this level, you don't have five players on the bench you think, right, well, I'm going to send him on, he'll fix it. Um, so I think we, we looked at it as if, let's, let's see what they're all about. Let's give them a rattle and see how they react. And I think when... Uh, we came out and we saw that they, they maybe were a little bit scared, I don't know, a little bit on the back foot. And the goal then leads into a, a little momentum and a, and, a, and a run. And there's nothing you can do then besides saying, let's get at them. Let's keep the tempo high. Let's keep running. Let's just get after them. Keep putting balls in the box. Keep putting the, the quality crosses in. The likes of Ryan was fantastic, I thought. He took risk on the right side, but he put some fantastic balls in. Um, and then you're you're hoping on, it fell to Obika, you're hoping it will fall into Jonah, hoping to one of them just it falls to them and we don't seem to get deflected goals but I'm waiting on one of them one of these days that we'll get and it'll just go in and it'll be horrible horrible I won't want to watch it but um but yeah so it was just a case of use the momentum and go after them and and I think it worked so so happy days I mean talking of deflections I think that that one that Abika scored I from the goal from the, the camera on the sideline I think that volley from Greg Lee might actually have been sneaking oh, in as well yeah it was a good right to the bottom corner but I suppose with that kind of momentum and, and like you say that they're getting a little bit kind of on the back foot Colbert's the second and a few minutes later you, you, you bring a beaker on and it's the kind of thinking in that you know just keep building that momentum with another forward and quite a big lad up front as well in, in, in John Abika yeah, Arthur had done well, I think. But when you were looking at the game, most of our width at the time was coming from Greg and Ryan. So it wasn't coming from wingers necessarily. So Arthur was coming inside and getting on the ball. But Ryan was having so much joy down the right-hand side. So when he was whipping the ball in, it gives you Cole and a Jonah or it gives you Cole and Nobika from Greg, um, but obviously midfield runners. So it um, the thinking was just put put John in areas where he could, he could show his quality. Listen, John is still short of where he wants to be and where we want him to be because... He had a massive injury, like it's a huge, huge injury that he had, and and um, he's not 21, so it takes him a little bit longer to come back in. But that'll be big for his confidence, big for his his sharpness as well, and um, and he was just right place, right time, kind of what we'd hoped for. So 
Um, inspired substitution was what I said to the gaffer afterwards. So I think he was just laughing. I don't think he'd take any credit for that. I know, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it was literally two minutes after he came on, and obviously with Wilde coming on at half time, and I thought he did a very good job, and the whole team, yeah. you know, coming back. You know, I think you can take it. You can give yourself a bit of a pat on the back with those substitutions. I think, but uh, yeah, I, can't, I was going to ask one more thing, but I think I've forgotten it. But yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I think you've forgotten it. Oh, that's all right. I think I have. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've touched on it already. We'll move on to um, obviously uh, 2021 uh, January the 10th. Uh, there was myself, Quinny, and my co-commentator, Glenn. Uh, and we were at Stamford Bridge when there should have been 42,000 and there should have been 3,000 Morecambe fans. And there wasn't. We lost 4-0. I was privileged to be there uh, and did the commentary. But it felt really, really strange. Now, this Sunday, we've probably got our just rewards, James. Because, um, like I say, myself and Glenn have been commentating for 12 seasons. We get Chelsea one year, we get Tottenham the next. I'm a Chelsea fan, he's a Tottenham fan. It's meant to be, isn't it? It's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, it, 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 I was lucky enough to be there um, with you last year and, and it was a great privilege, but it, was, it wasn't it was a football match. It was a, it was like this big echoey nothing. Um, and actually, the lads, I thought, played quite well on the day, um, all things considered. I mean, when, when they brought, um, they bring on Havertz and also Giroud, um, and you were like, what do you have? They're bringing these guys on as subs. Um, but, yeah, Spurs this weekend, I think that's as good a, as good a time as we could possibly have got. It's, it's supposed to be the best stadium in the world, and do we expect to be going to it um, as an away team this season? Um, I completely agree, though, with what, with what Dern said. Got to go there and, and yes, take some pictures and enjoy it. But it's got to be more than an occasion, more than an, an, an experience. Um, it's got to be got to be us going there and just going for it and um, and and getting whatever we can out of the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really really good. And you know what? Given all the uncertainty of the last few weeks, and is it going to be on? Is it not? Omicron, COVID, this? Are we going to have to test all of these different things? It's just it's just fantastic that it's going ahead. Um, so so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and obviously, uh, supposedly, yeah, what, like I say, the best ground in the world, or currently the best ground in the world, uh, which uh, everybody's looking forward to going, but you get to go in the best ground in the world's um, uh, boardroom. <laughs> well, actually, I, I've shunted myself down into the restaurant because um, there's quite a few people who wanted to go, and I'm not too bothered where I sit. Um, so I'm still going to be sitting somewhere nice. Um, but yeah, me, me Charlie, and, and a couple of others are going to be sitting somewhere slightly different. But, yeah, honestly, I don't care where, where I go when I watch a football match. I really don't. You know, I, I quite like sneaking into into the away end when I can um, sometimes, and um, it will it will be nice though. It will be really really nice. But my wife's looking forward to it, and she doesn't often say she's looking forward to football matches. So uh, yeah, we, uh, what was their last match? Wembley. Uh, no, no, she's she she was she's been at one two this season. Um, so so yeah, she's been for a couple. She was at um, I think the last one was. Probably Je- uh, Gillingham. All right. Okay. So yeah, yeah, she gets she gets to a couple, but um, yeah, Spurs. There was a hundred percent chance of Christine being at Spurs. <laughs> um, so I'll come to you now, Joel. Um, standing or sitting, safe standing or sitting at Tottenham. I'll be taking the safe stand. I thought you know, be a part of telling myself I'm being part of history or something. <laughs> just to kind of put my trumpet there. No, yeah, I just thought it might be interesting to do. You know, bigger way day at Spurs. You know, you want to kind of stand. I think my knee's good enough to do it now. So yeah, I thought I'd be standing. Are you standing for ease then, or? Yeah, yeah. That, I'm I'm unsafe standing. Yeah, I thought why not go for it. Um, um, I haven't been like I say 
and used to live and work in London. And last time I was at Tottenham, it didn't didn't look like it looks now. Um, but uh, Chelsea won that day, so there you are. The portents are good. But um, from from uh, the club's point of view, um, it like you said, Dern, we, we've got to enjoy the day. We've got to take it in. But the bread and butter is really it's just it's a free hit, isn't it? And I know James, that's James's quote from the last round. It's a free hit, but it is a free hit. And it, it, if we get beat 5-0, uh, but we still do pretty well, you've come away thinking, well, we've made a ton of money. We've not done ourselves perhaps much justice, but we move on. That, that's got to be the attitude, hasn't it? Yeah, you have to go and enjoy the day first and foremost, because there's no point in in going there and, and freezing up and, and just being in overawed by the stadium, overawed by, at the end of the day, it's a pitch, it's 11 people against you. Hope for the best. I'm sure they won't be full belt. I'm sure they'll be. They'll have one eye on their their games coming up. They'll have they'll have six or seven of what would be massive names. I'm sure, but there might be a couple of the younger players as well. So um, it's one of them where would we take the younger players on loan? Possibly not. So it's one, you always have to look at it that way and think. Do you know what? It's there's a there's a realism in it, and there's a reason why young players don't do well against experienced players is because they have experience. They can use it. They're a little bit more wily. They've been around the block. And um, and you never know. You honestly, we joke about it and we laugh about it, but you just never know. You get a, get a goal early on, do something on the break or in a, in a even a set piece or something like that. And, and you see what happens then. Momentum can build and, and the pressure builds on them. There'll be absolutely no pressure from us. And, and I'm sure however many Morecambe fans make it there, it'll be a fantastic day out and, and hopefully as I said we can give them a couple of couple of bits to cheer about anyway please God our chances yeah. of winning on, on Sunday are better than our chances were of coming back from 3-0 down on um, last weekend if you if you look to the odds uh, of us coming back from 3-0 down at half time I'm not allowed to bet but they would be much 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 um, better odds than us winning on, on Sunday I wonder will Joel's mates be doubling up will they be putting their winnings on us to get results <laughs> I know, it's a risky strategy. I'll be asking them, we'll be grilling them about it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, moving on to the actual game itself, it's been announced, uh, a lot of clubs didn't realise, well, a lot of fans didn't realise, certainly, uh, we'll be under the auspices of VAR. Uh, now, whether we think that's good or bad, obviously, they might, they might end up giving us a penalty, so it could be good for us. But um, there's a little bit of controversy, because obviously, the, the standard charge is 9000 9, £250 plus VAT and it's paid by both clubs. Did we just find this out or were we aware of this, James? To be honest, there's going to be quite a lot of costs that, um, that have to come out of our, our take from the game and trying to estimate what, that, what, what amount we're going to get from the game. It's now on impossible because you know it is, yeah. a million ticket sales at different prices and then you don't know what the costs are of opening that stadium up and running it. So I think it, it just goes into the pot of costs. Um, it, it's, it's it, in the context of the, of, the, of the match what it means to, to the fans getting that, that opportunity to go and see it for the players playing and the money we're going to get from it I don't, I don't think it's a particularly big deal um, I think the only thing I would say is it's, it's, it's ever so slightly unfair because teams outside the Premier League aren't used to playing with VAR and teams in, in the Premier League are and you do play differently if you've got used to a, a, a rule that, that, that has been in place for a couple of years but that's the only thing I think I would say about it is not fair on the teams that aren't used to playing with it. It's like, you know, going to a tournament and playing against a team that's, that's been used to playing with 12 players. With, you know, you're suddenly playing with, 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 with 11. It's just, just a slight change. It slightly disadvantages the, the clubs that aren't used to playing with it. Well, if, um, if we go back to the Buxton game and Cole reacts 
uh, and scores like he did then, VAR will give him offside because he was two yards offside when the ball was played. But their centre half dillied and dallied, and uh, obviously Cole nipped in and scored. So uh, it, it could prove against, it could prove for. But I mean, uh, it's going to just be it's going to be a novelty if nothing else. Term. Yeah, you never know as well because. We haven't had um, a fantastic run with referees this year. I would say that's the nicest way of putting it at times. So maybe if you if you'd had it for Doncaster away, they'd have given the rugby tackle on Greg Lee. So um, <laughs> so it can it can go the other way. You never know. Maybe someone gets clumsy in the box and gives away a pen or or something different. But yeah, I think it'll be. Listen for the players at our level. It's an experience anyway. The staff at our level, we've never done it before. So. I'm sure uh, as long as it goes for us, we'll enjoy it. If it goes against us, we'll say it's a, it's a disgrace and James was correct. Well, the strange thing is, and I've witnessed it at a couple of grounds, uh, I was at Burnley-Chelsea last year and uh, the players themselves watched the replays. You sat watching it, it's VAR decision, and then after the decision's been made, they actually showed it at Burnley and it was like, and everybody was, even the players were watching it. So uh, it is going to be unusual because you can actually see what they've given and then they'll show it you. So it was like, oh, all right then. <laughs> and if the, if the club are paying, what, four or five grand for it, I want there to be a decision at some stage. I want the referee to have to go to a monitor to see how it, how it goes, <laughs> see what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. At least if you're, going to, if you're going to pay for it, we want to see the fella leave the pitch and have a look at a screen and have a bit of suspense going. Joel up in the crowd going like that, hey, here we go. I think I think um, I think we've all learned, particularly this season, that when they do that, it means you haven't given the right decision. But we don't want to contradict you. Go and have a look. Yeah. that's how I take it, isn't it? Yeah, that seems to be an unwritten rule, isn't it? You're wrong. So have a look at the monitor just for appearances' sake, and go back and change it. Yeah, that's right. So fingers crossed that happens to our 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 benefit and not our detriment. Yeah. Um. So looking at looking at it, James. Um. We're taking a load of fans down there. I'm sure, obviously, you've very, very kindly bequeathed your place in the, in the posh tables, but you go just go, just slumming it in the restaurant with Charlie. Charlie will want mushy peas on whatever he has. You know that, don't you? It does look like quite a nice restaurant, to be fair, and I'm pretty sure that Christian will be wearing a posh frock. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, it'll be great. Um, yeah, it, it, it's weird in a way. It's. It's a fantastic thing, but I'm also really looking forward to getting on with the rest of the league campaign. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens when we get start to get these bodies in, and you know this next this next few months because you know no matter how much I think maybe some people have, have have lost a bit of confidence and belief outside of kind of the inner sanctum in the last, last two or three months, there's real belief running through everybody behind the scenes. There is a there is a sense that the attitude is is genuinely changing. That everybody seems to be bought into this this bigger process and this idea that we're all going to be open and transparent. It's like, you know, there are no big sort of exclusives for, for this pod because of the good work that everybody's doing, being open and transparent and just telling everybody what's going on. Ben's, you know, 92 page updates and Stephen and, and, and Derm's interviews where they just say, well, this is our transfer approach. And they're like, okay, well, there's, there's always nothing hidden, but, but the attitude is, is really quite confident. Um, so I'm looking forward to this, this, next, this next few months. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do between now and May. And uh, looking at now, we're, we're back into the new year, and obviously, uh, work will be back in and finishing the uh, behind the Bartercard stand, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can see that see that going up, and it's as is always the case with anything that's been built, it takes longer than you want it to, but it doesn't matter because it'll happen. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's going up. Um, I think actually the, the stadium's in pretty good nick, all those little niggles that, that maybe in the past have 
not being fixed quickly enough. They're, they're, they're getting sorted. Um, and again, that's a testament to, to what Ben and, and, and Martin and Toby and others do. They just walk around, you know, making sure that things are better all the time. So, yeah, it's, a, it's in good, good nick at the moment. And, um, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're getting close to, 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 to sort of three quarters filling it far more often than we, than we maybe um, would have expected to. Yeah, that's the one thing that I was, was going to say. It's been a positive, Joel, and the, the crowds have held up pretty well. We had 4,001 the other day. That was despite the defeat from crew when we had 3,800. So uh, the, the crowds and generally the fans are, have stayed behind the team. Yeah, no, it's really positive to see, you know, when you have that promotion bounce and then with the, with the, with the season ticket offer as well. And, and that is obviously always, that was always going to boost I think it has boosted the crowds, maybe a little, even a little bit beyond kind of what we could have even <laughs> even been very optimistic hoped for. But like, obviously, and then the worry after that is, you know, when when we get a couple of a couple of bad games, a bit of a rough period, as as we are going to do in this division because it's such a tough division, are those crowds going to hold up? But but they have obviously, like there was a few unhappy voices, very <laughs> I think understandably, you know, after some of the struggles against crew and the first time against Doncaster. But at the end of the day, there we all pulled round and it was a great noise and we were kind of getting that comeback going uh, against Doncaster. So, you know, it's great to see that the crowd is sticking around and hopefully they'll, they'll continue to do so throughout the season. And uh, crowds-wise, we've still got some pretty decent home games to come down. We've got, uh, obviously, the rearranged Wigan game and uh, we've got the Bolton game coming up in February. Uh, and these are going to be these are going to be. I mean, Sunderland if they're up up in at last game of the season, crikey, we're going to have to be we're going to have to build temporary stands. I think James or something because they'll they'll take, they could sell six thousand on their own. So um, it, that's going to give that's going to give you and the players a buzz when you know that everybody's behind you. Yeah, I think that's been the big thing. Our our stadium isn't isn't the, it's not the biggest ground in the world, but when it gets going, it's rocking, which is fantastic. So and and I think this season, looking at it. I think James's his aims and the board's aims and things were around the four thousand marks. So the fact that we've been we've been in around those numbers all season and it's been vocal, it's been positive, it's in right behind us. Um, you're obviously going to get the odd person who's not happy. You could be five nil up and you get the odd person who's not happy. But um, but no, I think it's been a testament to everybody, a testament as you said to everyone working at the club and and everyone driving it forward. And, and please God, we can sustain these numbers and. And again, give them more nights like the other nights, regardless of the big comeback. But the performance will keep will keep people coming back. They're, they're obviously they're going to enjoy everything that Ben and Martin and all the lads provide because they're first class. So we can do our bit and hopefully provide a, a decent product on the on the pitch as well. And and I think uh, as James said, it's listen, it's a long view. We know there's massive things. Everyone here knows there's massive things that we would change and we would adjust and move forward and progress in terms of facilities and everything. But we're getting there. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone speaks the same language. Everyone is, there's no naysayers. There's nobody saying, oh, but we tried this before. It's a clean slate. We've all tried to say, well, it's been done before, but not properly. So let's let's do this right. Let's let's get behind it. If we don't have the money to do it, can we muck in and help out ourselves? Or how can we make it work? So I think it's a, it's a club going forward. And, and please, God, we can we can do enough to, to keep us in the division. And then I think there'll only be one way for it then going forward. So I'll wrap up now. Um, it's been fantastic to speak to you all, but I'll wrap up by saying, uh, obviously, Pete, this will come out on Friday. People will uh, likely be listening to this, uh, probably on the coaches, setting off from the Mazuma at six o'clock Sunday morning. Are you on the coach, Joel? No, I'm going down the day before. Dash, I just, I thought, nice weekend in London. Nice week, all right, yeah. Got a bit of family down there, take the stress off the day, you know. 
see the sights. Well, think of me, me and Swids getting a taxi at <laughs> 20 past five in the morning because both of our wives have said, sod off, I'm not taking you. <laughs> so I've got to get to the Mazuma for six o'clock. Um, there's we've 14 of us booked on coach number two. So if you're listening to this uh, on the coach on the way down, enjoy your day. Thank you, Dermot, for coming on tonight and being so honest and open as usual. Thank you, James. Uh, have a lovely time in New York. Uh, Joel, have a lovely time in your bedroom. <laughs> uh, this, is, this has been ShrimpNet, um, the Shrimps Trust podcast. If you aren't a member of the Shrimps Trust, please join. It's only uh, £10 a season and the benefits are there for all to see. Um, this has been a very enjoyable podcast. Happy New Year to you all. And um, down with the Spurs. We'll speak next week. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>